Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. <laughs> this is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode 75, Above and Below, which is also the last episode we'll get until winter 2022. Oh my god. <laughs> As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened previously in Attack on Titan, so you've been warned. So yes, it's been announced. Part two of the season will not be released until winter 2022. Oh boy. <laughs> but it will rightfully be released on television instead of as a full-length movie, so I'm glad of that part at least. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's definitely a bittersweet announcement because that's going to be a long wait. And I'm not sure if they mean winter 2022 as in anime season winter 2022, aka like a January release. Or if they're talking literally winter 2022, like a November, December release. Um, I hope it's the former and not the latter. But as always, like MAP has been doing um, a fantastic job with this final season. And if they need more time to do this right, I will gladly wait. No problem. It'll suck, but I'll do it. <laughs> and this information was released um, in the form of a teaser. I believe in Japan, this came out right after the end of the episode but you can easily look this up on YouTube. And the end of this teaser, it says, it's translating the Japanese, it says, scheduled to be broadcast on NHK General TV this winter, which makes me think that it's winter 2022, as in the start of 2022. I think a lot of people are assuming that because I was browsing um, Twitter and Reddit about that announcement a lot of people were saying oh only eight nine ten months versus like a year and a half um so i think a lot of us are holding out hope that it will be anime season winter 2022 that it's released um but i mean aot is no stranger to making us wait a long time for stuff i mean mm -hmm. we think about this we, we can do it fam okay we can do it anime only people we waited four years for season two. We waited six years in total just to see what the fuck was in Aaron's basement. So waiting until winter 2022, whether that's nine months or a year and a half, is doable. Um, whether that's an easy wait or a difficult wait is a totally different story, but we can do it, guys. I think it's going to be the latter because the only caveat here is the manga ends, I think, almost in about a week or so. Yeah, as of this recording, I think it's nine days, eight days, something like that. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to kind of cover our ears whenever we're near any manga readers who who hold the key to how this whole series ends. <laughs> to the but, series basement. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know it's, it, it is a, a long time to kind of wait around. Um, and part of me is kind of like, can you even call it a part two of the season if you're waiting this long, possibly even over a year? Um, I kind of want to say like, let's call it what it is. It's a season five, but, um, whatever they call it, I'm just happy that we're getting more, more episodes as you said earlier, but I, I agree. I think, um, it's going to be very difficult for us anime only people to not get spoiled by manga readers over the next several months. Um, so all I ask is please manga readers, if there was ever an anime to not spoil for anime only people it's this one please be gentle with us yes please please, please. <laughs> like I, i'm not saying that manga readers should not be able to talk about the final chapter or final volume i don't know what you call it the the end of attack on titan 
Um, but doing so in a more contained way would be would be very much appreciated. Yeah, it's go, it's going to be difficult for them, I know. Yeah, you go listen to the Strictly Manga podcast <laughs> if, if there is one out there. <laughs> one thing that's weird is, again, looking at this teaser, it only says episode 76 of the next half. I don't know if that means they're going to have a full like part two of the season or they're just holding out on an official announcement on any subsequent episodes. I'm sure like you can't fit the rest of the final arc into one episode but it's just weird that they only mention episode 76 specifically i know when i saw that i was like so we're only getting we're waiting like almost a year or maybe over a year for one episode and then my mind kind of went um well maybe they're trying to cram everything into one episode or maybe it's like a 12 hour long episode (laughs) i tried to like rationalize that that strange announcement that that was just episode 76, which is called Judgment or something like that, mm-hmm. um, coming out winter 2022. But yeah, I- I'm sure they just don't want to reveal too much um, because this is a show that needs a ton of planning, I, I imagine. Unless it's like a- the four-hour Snyder cut or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I speculate that it'll be at least 10 episodes, which would give this, I guess, full season the 26-episode count. Um, to kind of properly round out the series. I don't know if they can do that in 10 episodes, um, but me liking nice even numbers, I think that would be uh, a good amount for them to round out the show. It would make sense. And I, and honestly, I'm not mad at this weight. Like I said earlier, I, I'm loving this ride. I don't want it to end. Um, I'm glad we're getting more content and I'm glad they're taking the time that they need to ensure that the ending doesn't get fucked up. Like this anime is so incredibly important to this community, this generation of anime viewers. Um, so just, just, it just needs to end well. And, and I fully trust that, that, um, MAPPA can do that. Also, I noticed that I, I think I mentioned this before. I constantly switch between MAPPA and MAPPA. Sorry about that, guys. I just do that sometimes. Potato, but... potato. <laughs> potato Sasha, <girl> Sasha. <laughs> um, but yeah, I fully trust that MAPPA can do it after what they've shown us in this first part of season four. I mean, phenomenal. Absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal. I know we had our gripes in the beginning about the CGI and the rotoscoping. It seems like they've toned it down a lot. Although, to be fair, we haven't really had a lot of you know the the main titans in this last part of this first part of this season. So less CGI, um, but I think overall they've um, they've really just blown it out of the water. They've done an amazing job. Yeah. In the meantime, as we wait for part two of this final season, there's definitely plenty to look forward to um, for both our podcast and with anime in general. Um, we're looking forward to reviewing anime from the end of winter 2021 season, like the second half of Jujutsu Kaisen, Wonder Egg Priority. Um, we just uh, put out our episode for Yashahime, and we've got a couple more in the works. And, of course, kicking off spring 2021, um, a couple things we have on our watch list. Uh, My Hero Academia Season 5, Tokyo Revengers, we have The House Husband, Shaman King, um, so there's there's a lot that we've um, we'll be we'll be working on as we patiently wait for the rest of Attack on Titan. So if you haven't done so already, definitely subscribe to Strictly Anime and Strictly JoJo if you're a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure fan to stay up to date and um, you know be notified when these new episodes come out. And follow us on social media on Instagram, Twitter. You can find us on Instagram at the Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, um, and we post every time there's a new episode that's released, and we have other 
anime and behind the scenes content that we share. So yeah, find us there and stay engaged with us. And on to the topic at hand, because I am itching to talk about episode 75, Attack on Titan. Yeah, I would say this was a bit of an exposition heavy episode, but again, being a, I guess, season finale, not necessarily a series finale, it sets up an extremely large cliffhanger, which of course is expected. And I think it ties up a few loose ends, especially with the captive scouts now knowing Zeke's plan and us finally knowing what that pig bitch has been doing this whole time. Um, but what did you think overall? I thought it was, I agree, it was very exposition heavy, but not in a bad way because I think it drove the plot forward tremendously. I mean, Yelena fucking drops the entire true plan to all of the scouts and Sasha's family because they they happen to be in that jail cell. Um, and that just like fast forwards everything. Of course, it all comes to a screeching halt when we get that crazy cliffhanger, but it makes me very excited for the rest of the season, the part two of this season, um, because there's a lot of doors that this episode opens up for how the rest of the story can play out. Yeah, and it's kind of like, we started this season with parodies infiltrating Marley, and now we're going to end this with Marley infiltrating parodies. It's like a quid pro quo, this for that, <laughs> eye for an eye. So let's go ahead and dive right into the synopsis for Attack on Titan, episode 75, Above and Below. Metal Gear Hans and her Jaeger's captors hear the Thunder Spear explosion from the previous episode and head towards the direction of the sound to see what's up. As Zio succumbs to his wounds from his thunder spear protuberance, he has a hallucination of a young girl before getting scooped up by middle-aged mom titan, who pulls a tauntaun and inserts Zio in her stomach for protection. So I guess you could call his new home the belly of the beast titan. But um, tss. In Shigun Shonen Jump District, Yelena and the volunteers take a cue from Marley and identify genuine Pikchisu and other military personnel with three different colored armbands. White for the Jaeger simps, red for the pussy vinyl fluid drinkers, and black for those who defy the Jaegerist cause. She chides Pikchisu for not trusting Zio and company from the get-go, although in hindsight, can you really trust the bitch who gives you tainted wine as a supposed sign of goodwill? In the prison cells below, the scout captives dissect whether or not Aaron has something else up his sleeve when Yelena disrupts the conversation to tell everyone of Zio's glorious plan to sterilize the lot of them with the Founding Titan's power until Historia's child passes away, after which point the world will be 100% titan-proof. In the meantime, the Jaegerists will conduct the rumbling as a threat to anyone who dares interfere. Johnny Boy calls bullshit, but Yelena is too much of a Jaeger dick rider to care. In a separate cell, Aaron Jaegermeister visits Gung-Ho Gabby and asks for her help in flushing out Marley intruders in exchange for Falco's safety. And who else should butt in but fucking peek the putrid who at first seems poised to take Eren down, but unexpectedly offers her support for the Jaegerists to get back at Marley's atrocities against the Eldian people. Eren asks her to prove her newfound loyalty by going to the rooftop of the Citadel and pointing out where their enemies lie. Taking a page out of any B-action movie betrayal, Peak the Putrid positions her pointy finger straight at Eren as Porco Pig's jaw titan emerges below his feet in an attempt to down a shot of Jaegerbomb. Aaron quickly changes into his attack titan form in time to see a couple Marlian airships heading for his location. And who else should be on one of the airships but Reiner, warrior with a death wish, Braun, 
ready for one last brawl with his former comrade. Let's get ready to rumbling. Coming winter 2022. So Zeke fucking gets away by presumably commanding a titan to come rescue him. But I just have so many questions around this first scene of the episode. Like, why was the titan steaming? Don't they steam when they, like, transform initially? Or was it because it was raining and the titan is hot? Mm, No, because you can hear the steam emitting from its body. So I don't think it was, like, droplets or whatever coming off of it. Yeah, it's just, like, interesting that that titan was steaming. It's probably a super minor detail that doesn't really need to be flushed out, but I'm curious about that. Um, also, how does that Titan not inherit Zeke's beast Titan if he gets put inside their stomach? And maybe they like technically didn't put them or put him in their stomach. Maybe they shoved him like on the side of their rib cage or something. But it's just interesting to me because I don't know if it's the act of actually eating a Titan that inherits the power or if it's consuming them and digesting them that inherits the power. I mean, obviously, when they shove it on their throat, they transform immediately. But I'm just wondering what specifically allows a pure titan to inherit a founding, or not a founding titan, a uh, titan, nine, nine titan power? <laughs> I have the answer. It's a plot hole. <laughs> because <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. Okay, Isayama has no plot holes in this no, thing. No, <laughs> because this scene reminded me that uh, in season one, if you remember, Aaron gets eaten by a titan, but that titan doesn't take his founding titan or attack titan powers because Eren's still alive within its belly, right? Was it? Oh, I thought he was still alive inside his mouth. No, I'm pretty sure it, he was like in his stomach because there was like stomach fluid oh, around his legs. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> I just blew everyone's mind. Oh my God. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. Wait, what? The- I thought it was impossible for Is- I mean, Isayama has this story so fucking tightly written that even the most minor character from like three seasons ago comes back with some important plot point. Um, but yeah, maybe that's that's the one downfall of his writing. But I'm sure Zeke like commanded that titan to come over and protect him or maybe it did it of its own accord i don't know because zeke seems ready to die in that moment yeah he seemed like his brain was already fried <laughs> yeah but i'm sure if he did command it it would know better to to take his power so it just had again rearranged its innards to make sure that he was nice and comfy in there yeah well i know he has that um flashback or not flashback that flash vision of the girl i kind of want to save that to the end because i want to tie that into the preview for the second part of the season unless you have something burning to say Mm, no we can save it okay (laughs) i feel like because that will tee up nicely to what we are speculating for part two of the final season but then we move to the the scene with um pixie's yelena onion coupon and a bunch of you know bitches who betrayed the military police and the scouts um and pixis calls out how ironic it is that the jaegerists are using colored armbands to identify different people no different than marley and as you noted white are jaegerists red are people who drank the wine but are forced to comply and black are people who stand in the way of the jaegerists goals and i just yeah i just think it's so funny and and yelena says um that you can learn a lot from your enemies. And I'll bring this line up um, when we get to, I guess, the end of the episode, because it is interesting that she says this, and that kind of is what played out, if you think about it, with the the final moments of this episode 75. But she also says that Zeke is the god that will save this world, and you earned his wrath. 
Um, I find this line interesting for like a couple different reasons. Um, first off, obviously she's a, a Zeke simp, so she wants to ride that dick. <laughs> she sees him as the savior, but everybody else around her sees Aaron as the savior for the Eldian race. Um, or at least for the most part, it seems like everyone else sees Aaron as that savior. So in my mind, does Yelena see Aaron as a potential threat or a barrier to Zeke getting to his goal? Like at what level does Yelena fully trust him or not fully trust him um, if her loyalties ultimately lie with Zeke? But she says later on when she's talking to the scouts that she is so eager to see, to see Zeke and Aaron united um, to further the Eldian cause so the way I kind of see it is like to put in religious terms she sees Zeke as like the father and then Aaron as the son I don't know who the spirit would be um, the spirit is their father Grisha who made them the way they are (laughs) so I don't think she sees uh, Aaron as a threat but more so as like an accessory to the history that's happening before her yeah, that makes sense. And I also find the, the latter half of her statement that you earned his wrath um, is very interesting because, again, he's been very ambiguous as to whether he truly cares about Eldians or not. And even after having his background episode in episode 74, um, I I still find him slightly ambiguous because does he really care about the Eldians or does he care just enough to get rid of them. You know what I mean? Like, I know he cares Mm. about them, and that's why he thinks he's saving them. But really, when you look outside of his immediate perspective, does he really care about the Eldians? And if he, you know, now is being, you know, there's this rat that they have to now suffer through, can somebody who truly cares and wants to save this race be able to, um, you know, be wrath? Is wrathful a word? It's not, right? What's, What's the word I'm looking for? I would say wrathful, maybe. Is wrathful a word? (laughs) I'm going to look this up now. Yeah, wrathful is a word. Okay. Characterized by intense anger. So how can he be wrathful toward the people he's trying to save? So it's like, I don't know, is his goal really selfish? And these people that he's trying to save are standing in his way of his goal. Therefore, he's going to take them out. Um, There's just like so many nuances, I think, with her statement that um, I'm, I'm very curious about how this all plays out or what she's kind of hinting towards. I guess, again, looking at it from a religious lens, there's this God complex. Um, You know, in the olden times, they always said, like, God was a vengeful God. But, like, in modern times, you kind of see him as, like, this loving and caring thing. So I guess it could go both ways with Zeke. Um, He could show compassion to those who are accepting of his euthanization plan, but punishing of those who, um, who think otherwise. But it's interesting because Peach just kind of calls out uh, Yelena's bullshit because they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place with accepting Zeke's plan because Zeke technically had all the cards in his hand in the first place, right? Um, Because they had planned to give the wine anyways to the scout military. Um, So even now that they, even though they already know that the, the wine was filled with his fluid and that they're basically doomed to die as Titans, their fate was already planned from the start. You know what I mean? Yeah. How early did they start distributing that wine? I'm like trying to think back to like if we saw any clips of people drinking wine, whether it was subtly or very obvious. Um, and I I'm, I can't quite remember, but I'm sure it was a small detail that I didn't pick up on early enough. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why 
Pictures had said, like, were we being wise or were we being foolish? Because again, they ultimately didn't have a choice because now they have to, they're following Zeke's plan no matter what. Yeah, and that just shows that ultimately Yelena and her gang didn't actually trust any of them or feel that any of them could be um, valuable enough to the plan. But it's also like, yeah, why why bother stringing them along? I mean, maybe they did it in the hopes that they would come around and would help them but needed that contingency plan in case they decided to mm-hmm. to try and put a stop to things, which I guess kind of ended up being the case. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a it's a weird complex for sure. I mean, the end game is just to kill them all anyways. <laughs> so yeah, why does it matter? <laughs> yeah, why, whether or not they drink wine or or just can't have babies, it it's all the same fate. In the next scene in the jail cell, um, there's a lot of interesting things that happen, even though this is a pretty short scene i know it's broken up into two parts in this episode but overall it's pretty short um so first off and i think you mentioned this mikasa is not wearing her scarf and that's immediately following the argument that he you know that she had with Aaron and armin and i'm wondering is that her own decision to not wear the scarf kind of playing into what we were speculating that Aaron is trying to push her to be more independent and, and kind of break away from her ackerman in- instincts or is it because they had them remove some of their like identifying clothing before they were put in jail? Because if you think about it, everybody's wearing plain clothing. Everybody's mm. wearing a white shirt, you know, plain pants. Nobody's wearing any of their military stuff. Even the, it looked like even the Browse family um, was wearing plain clothing. So I'm wondering, like, was it her decision to not wear the scarf or was that something that was forced on her when they put her in jail? I took it more as that she was just so traumatized about the things Aaron was saying to her um, that she just didn't want to keep something that reminded her of someone who just roasted the shit out of you. <laughs> um, but it could very well be, uh, maybe like you said, her trying to try and find a way to be more independent of Aaron or that they just had to all be in plain clothes. I think the, I agree that I think the more likely um, intent behind that is for her to start breaking away from Aaron after he, um, you know, demolished her her emotions in the last show mm-hmm. or in the last episode. Yeah. Although, did you notice like Armin doesn't have any bruises from that fight? It's probably because he regenerated. Oh, uh, I forget. He's right. A I noticed that too because um because John was like, "Why did Aaron beat the shit out of you?" And in my head, I'm like, "He looks fine." And I'm like, "Oh, because he's a Titan wielder, so he probably just." steamed those bad boys right off his face i completely forgot that but i do find it odd that armin and mikasa are still hesitant to tell the other og scouts what happened in that um, argument with Aaron. and and john kind of pushes you know why it was that he hurt mikasa probably because he still has a crush on her <laughs> that's what i like mm. to think um he's probably a little bit salty that Aaron would be so mean to mikasa and make her cry because he you know originally had a had a big crush on her in season one or maybe two um, but John is incredibly percep- perceptive throughout this jail scene. And sometimes I, f- I forget that he should be given more credit because he's always kind of been known as like the hothead, you know, kind of juxtaposed against Aaron's hotheadedness. But he has grown a lot and he's he's becoming incredibly intelligent. And he's perceptive in this moment saying that he, you know, he being Aaron wouldn't do this without good reason, you know, hurting his best friends. Unless he's gone completely insane, he would not do something like this without some sort of hidden motive. And I'm like, yeah, John knows what's up. And I think, I think him saying that kind of triggers something in Armin 
Um, and I'll I'll get to that, I guess, towards the the end when we talk about the next scene or or do we want to talk about that now? I guess because both scenes, if you're talking about when Yelena shows up. Yeah, we can just mo- like, smash it into one big scene, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to say I'm just glad that John brought up what I was talking about last time with Aaron just being too suspicious to suddenly change character. Yeah. Um, it's just ironic that, you know, I like you were saying, John and Aaron have butted heads so much, um, but John can recognize that something's not right or like something's amiss with Aaron um so maybe he's also just holding out hope that Aaron like I said in the synopsis has just has something else up his sleeve and on the flip side Connie is so stupid that he immediately assumes like no he's being an asshole he's not our friend anymore and that's not the first time he's acted that way I think um in the episode where we get the flashbacks of them working on the on the railroad and they have that really touching moment but then we flash forward to current day and connie's saying you know like it's it's um aaron's fault that sasha mm-hmm. got killed and aaron doesn't care about us like connie has been um i guess less perceptive the and dunce. yeah and kind of sees it for the face value and saying like aaron's not the same person anymore so yeah i, I just find it interesting that his character is staying pretty consistent but john is having a little more character <laughs> development in this moment eh? but to kind of go back to what i was saying um jean says these things about aaron having some sort of hidden motive there's got to be a reason he's doing these things and then when yelena uh, reveals the true plan about euthanasia for all eldians that's when armin starts crying and first of all someone's got to tell armin he's a terrible actor (laughs) like he is not a good actor but second he um I, I think he's, one, trying to gain Yelena's trust, but two, he can see straight through her plan. Like, knowing what John said and knowing how well Armin knows Aaron, I think Armin knows that um, Zeke's true intentions are obnoxious and unrealistic and unfair, and he can predict how Aaron is reacting to this and now understands what could potentially be his true motives. He doesn't know those motives, but he may see his behavior as, you know, trying to gain Zeke's trust and trying to get things moving. But perhaps at the very last moment, he'll kind of reveal his cards and, and put Zeke's plan to, to rest. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, I didn't realize Yeah with the context of what john was saying to them earlier coupled with yelena's um propaganda i guess of zeke's plan um i think armin is smart enough to put two and two together and like you said he's probably trying to earn yelena's trust but i also think he was just being really sarcastic in this moment too (laughs) so maybe just as a as a small slight to her um yeah like i think honestly that um that Armin realizes, oh shit, there is a reason Aaron's being a fucking asshole right now. Like, this is a stupid ass plan. It's crazy, and on yeah, maybe it sounds nice, but in in um in reality, it's not a good outcome for the Eldians. And so I'm curious to know how Armin acts moving forward, especially when he has to deal with Aaron. Will he outright, you know, call Aaron out on his bullshit? Will he try to play? Um, you know, the same cards as Aaron, because Armin's incredibly smart. Like, he's the brains of the trio. Um, and I think he he can see what's what's all going down. And it also reminds me that Aaron's first goal in this show was to get rid of all Titans. But he probably has a different way of going about it than, than Zeke does. Mm-hmm. Like, if I, I, I'm just going, like, 
pure theory here. My theory is that the end goal of removing Titans from the equation is what brought Aaron to kind of side with Zeke, but he doesn't actually have um, any ill will against Eldians. So he's using Zeke's plan as a way to fast track his own plan, but then ensure that Eldians actually do get the freedom that they deserve. I feel like you're Charlie from Always Sunny with, <laughs> with his the board. conspiracy board. <laughs> I know, like my eyes are bugging out. And I'm like, look at all these mm-hmm. things. The, all the, the, the dots are connecting. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot of like reading in between the lines when it comes to I get what Aaron's plan is, like you said, with um, ridding the world of Titans. And, 100% because yeah. as we said before with this show, no bit of dialogue is wasted. Everything has meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. And even Yelena mentions um, in her in her propaganda speech, like this is meant to break the cycle of hatred between Eldia and Marley. But yeah, that the way that this cycle is broken again can be interpreted many different ways. Like she's interpreting it in Zeke's way, Armin's interpreting it a different way, and obviously maybe Aaron's also seeing it in a different light as well. The funny part is if everyone just talked, <laughs> this would be <laughs> so different and the funny thing is on top of that they are talking a lot they're just talking in code to each mm-hmm. other and they don't want to reveal their hands it's like just have open communication you're all on the same side kind of well it's an anime there has to be scheming <laughs> and also in this jail scene um i do want to call out nicolo continues to be best boy he he just goes off on He's a Greece. Changed man. <laughs> he just goes off on Greece as that asshole is standing there insulting Sasha in front of him, who's Sasha's boyfriend or was, um, her family and her closest friends. I'm like, good for you, Nicolo. Like I I love Nicolo. I, I constantly root for him to be a good character, and whatever ends up becoming of him, I hope that he his story ends as you know a good one he reunites with sasha (laughs) oh god okay yeah i mean sure if he ends up dying in this show then yeah at least he gets to be with her but um i hope that in in uh in his time on earth he also just ends up being a good character um and it seems like it's it's going that way they kind of had us for a little bit there with the whole wine thing but then he came around and realized that it was the the wrong thing to do but yelena at the very least got rid of that asshole grease like a point blank the only thing so far that we can say she did that was good was was kill him in front of everybody and then she does that weird graceful bow afterwards. yeah it almost looks like like a milady bow milady <laughs> but i also kind of wonder this is the last thing i'll say about the the jail scene i kind of wonder why she gave up all that information like what is the intent there what's her what's her goal because she wouldn't just reveal this priceless information out of nowhere without some sort of potential benefit to her and zeke's plan right maybe like you said it's communication she wants to be transparent (laughs) with everybody she wants to regain everyone's trust i mean she's pretty much fucked that over and i don't think anyone's gonna trust her at this point yeah i think she's just so confident that zeke's plan is going to work that you know she just wants to tell everyone kind of like you know bond villains it's it's their trope of revealing their plans to to bond before he bests them or really an anime trope yeah it is very much an anime trope to, to reveal everything for no reason but none of them know what's happened to zeke yet right in terms of like literally what's happened to him in the like last episode? yeah he just exploded yeah no i don't think anyone does i think aaron assumes that zeke is going to meet at that meeting place which i assume is shinganshina like mm-hmm. where also they supposed to fucking meet 
that's where the rumbling's happening. Um, so I'm guessing by the end of this battle with Marley and Paradise, Aaron's going to realize, like, where's Zeke? Why hasn't he showed up yet? Yeah, they're going to get quite a shock. Yeah. Well, in the next scene, speaking of Aaron, um, it's funny how... Aaron tells Gabby, or rather he calls her the brat that killed Sasha, Sasha. (laughs) Um, that if she wants to to save Falco, she has to help by getting on the radio and flushing out all the intruders. And literally at that same moment, Peek enters the room. It's like, like, oh, well, Gabby, I guess you weren't useful after all. We can just we can just off you at this point. Um, Gabby's still a dumb bitch. And you know what? I'm not going to get into that. I think we all know at this point, like, she was kind of thinking about like, why are people so nice to me, even though they all hate me and they're supposed to be devils. But then the second peak enters the room, she's like, nope, let me revert back and just continue to be a dumb, blind, dense bitch. As much as I loathe peak, I will give her credit for kind of setting Gabby straight um, about how simple minded her view of like good versus bad Eldians is. Obviously we know that's peaks a fucking two timer by the end of this episode, <laughs> but I like that she kind of, put gabby in her place in that in that moment yeah and there was it was more i guess it was for multiple reasons um one to to open her eyes to how naive she is but also to um progress the immediate plan of trying to gain aaron's trust long enough to set him up for this trap um and just like so many questions are firing off in my head when peak enters the room like how long have the marley warriors been there like Peak and Galliard in particular, because we actually see them having infiltrated the military police or one of the one of the armies in Paradise. I think they were both wearing the the scout. Scout. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so they infiltrated the scouts. Um, but like, how did they have enough time to do that? Because didn't Zeke say in the previous episode that it's only been a month? He's like, we I've been here for a month and I've been reading the same book seven times or something like to that effect. Mm-hmm. I think it's only been a short amount of time, and yet they've already arrived in Paradise and infiltrated the fucking army and the Jaegerists because they're wearing white armbands. Like, that, that is, like, rapid fire to me. I kind of find it hard to believe that they were able to do all of that because the first shot that we got of Peak in Paradise was her dressed as a civilian by that water fountain. I think there was just a lot that was going on in Paradise. Like, the whole military was in disarray, so they probably just took advantage of that situation. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, everyone's at each other's throats that they don't even realize what the hell's going on yeah, with the so enemy. Yeah, they, yeah, they did all the, the dirty work for them, and all Peek and Galliard had to do was just slip right in. But I also wonder how much of Peek's um, lie to Aaron when she first enters the room um, is like also kind of true. So let me explain that a little bit more. So she says all these things about um, wanting to save all Eldians and you know wanting to make sure that her father is safe and then tells Gabby that you know as soon as they're no use to Marley they'll betray them and and destroy all the Eldians um and that you know for a short term kind of gains a little bit of Aaron's trust enough of it for him to you know hear her out and after it's revealed that that was all a lie and she um, was just trying to set him up for a trap I'm still wondering like what level of that is is true because there's got to be some truth in what she's saying right she's smart she's incredibly smart yeah um and it's just weird that the end of the episode, she says she loathes Marley, but she loves her comrades more. Yeah. Like, so it makes me think, like, what is her long-term plan, right? Like, mm-hmm. she, I don't know. Like, 
I'm trying to, to rationalize all of this because you're right. She says, I would never betray my comrades, but I don't trust Marley. Yet in this moment, she's 100% relying on Marley to, you know, be successful with this, this surprise attack. Like her, like her, her entire plan is, is reliant on Marley being successful and Marley trusting her enough to make, you know, to pull all of this off. So I'm like, once this is all said and done, like, what does she plan to do then when it comes to Marley? Like, assume that they were able to capture Aaron, right? Like, what does she plan to do then? I think at that point, if they were to take the Founding Titan's power, it gives the Eldians their utility back to Marley, right? Because she she was saying how uh, with the la- their last war with the Mideast, um, it was becoming more and more apparent that um, the like Titan powers were being bested by Marley's enemies. Um, but if they were to retake the Founding Titan's power, they could use that power to, again, develop uh, more technological, I guess, advances. That you... way, so it's kind of like, like, I don't know if she knows what Zeke's true plan is with the whole euthanization thing is, um, but it's kind of like she's picking the lesser of two evils because th- uh, the Marley taking back the Founding Titan power would kind of prolong the Eldian people's longevity i guess but would it like i don't know something about it because what she says to gabby just makes it seem like it's so um short-sighted to trust marley because the second that there's no value um for the eldians to marley anymore they're just gonna off all of them and so once you hand over the founding titan like what what's left right like they could use the founding titan to potentially destroy all the eldians and maybe just I don't know. Like mm. I, I'm just trying to understand. Like she's such a smart character, and she she brings up some some really really good points with Gabby. But at the end of the day, she's still trusting Marley and still you know attacking Paradise and attacking her own kind. And I, I just like it. Just seems odd to me. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I I can't really kind of like rationalize her thought process in this moment. It, I guess it's kind of like a person who's in a debate knowing what the counter arguments are, but n- using your own logic and reasoning to, to validify or to validate what you think is right. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, I feel like if you had to choose between what you already know as people that trust you, AKA Marley versus people who may hate your guts cause you're a Marley warrior and may accept you because you're LDM, but probably not and you'll probably be killed by them mm-hmm. <laughs> i guess it makes sense to decide with marley in this moment but i don't know we'll we'll get more of it i'm sure with part two and hopefully we'll get some clarity around that but on that topic of peak being very smart um and just peak in general she gets more simps in this episode God um <laughs> although all of those simps are probably dead now from galliard transforming <laughs> it's their fault <laughs> but that whole Galliard thing was definitely a blink and you'll miss it moment because I did miss it at first. Yeah, I had to rewind it so you could see. I know. You were like, look, it's Galliard. I'm like, huh? Where? What? <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was a great scene. I That was probably one of my favorite parts um, just because of how subtle it was. Like, Galliard was there, but you're so distracted by Peak and everything else going on and all of the simps blushing that you... That is so easy to miss him. And I just love those little nuances in this show. I'm sure all the real life fucking simps for Peak miss that too. <laughs> and she's like, but you're Oscar. <laughs> like, oh my God. Although that was smart of her. 
And I think that her true intention behind waving to all of her simps was to show Galliard the position that she was in without alerting anyone to the fact that he's there, right? Because she's mm -hmm. waving, because she could have just said hi, but she waves with both hands, showing that one of her hands is handcuffed to Gabby, meaning I cannot transform. So I, I'm guessing um. that that's why she did that in that moment, because Galliard is like specifically looking at her, which I'm sure he would be either way, because he's trying to like figure out what the fuck's going on. Um, but that, that's my, my assumption as to why she's waving both her hands. Like, I know she likes to be flirtatious and she loves having her simps, but again, she's very, very smart. And I think there's more to her waving than just saying hi. <laughs> I like how you give it like a, a technical reason. Whereas I think this was just pure fan service. <laughs> it, it probably is. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm sure a lot of it is just fan service. Oh, but Isayama, man. with his writing, there's always meaning behind everything, mm -hmm. including that, simping. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> On the way up the stairs, um, Gabby does realize that all this stuff has been her fault yet again, specifically with Falco drinking the wine. Um, she's finally realizing that her selfish behavior is putting Falco and others at risk and just continuing to descend into probably what is depression at this point. <laughs> um, so that was great to see. That was another delicious moment around Gabby. Like she's she's getting her, her just desserts. Is that what that, that phrase is? Yeah. Um, but it was short-lived because then they get to the roof and a whole bunch of shit goes down. And then her, she gets reaffirmed of her beliefs. Oh my God. That's, that's yeah, that's the, the thing that part. pissed me off the most. And she's like, oh, so you didn't try to betray us? And oh, Marley is good after all. I'm like, my God, what, just way to confuse the shit out of this already really confused <laughs> child. <laughs> she is a lost cause at this point. <laughs> I did call it, though, um, in my head anyway. I was like, Peek's going to point at Aaron. Yeah, little fucking snake. God like, damn it. <laughs> like, that, I I know that there's a lot of stuff that isn't super obvious. Like, again, that, that incredible bomb they dropped on us when Reiner, out of nowhere, told Aaron that he and Berthold were the uh, the the warrior titan. I almost said attack titan. The warrior titan and the colossal titan. The warrior titan. The armored titan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what I meant. The, the armored titan. I was. They're all warrior titans. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The armored titan <laughs> and the colossal titan. Uh, but this one I called from a mile away. But that didn't diminish the moment at all. Like it, it was still a, a pretty epic reveal, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Albeit like very cheesy. Like like I said, um, it reminded me like a B action film betrayal. <laughs> But then you got Galliard, who yet again fucks up and misses eating Aaron. Like, he got his legs, I guess. But that's probably not enough to inherit a titan power. So, um, yeah, Aaron's still alive. And we have a lead-up to what could be the ultimate showdown between Aaron and Reiner. Can I just say really quick, how did Galliard know to chomp Aaron at the exact moment pig-fingered Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no fucking idea. and That's a great question. I mean, yeah, it, they're just playing up the, the action of the moment, but I was just thinking that the the back of my mind, because I'm sure, like, Galliard didn't hear Peek say, like, there's the enemy, because if he's in the in the halls, like, there's no way you can hear Peek's voice from, like, the top, uh, top of the roof saying that. Yeah, I mean, there was that, like, slight delay from when she pointed to when Aaron was, like, looking at her, like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. um, and then he pops out. 
But yeah, I, I don't know. Unless they're going to come up with some really clever way to explain that. I just am going to assume it was a clever plot point. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone's following the AOT wiki Twitter, but they actually tweeted a comparison shot. And they've been doing this a lot with uh, the shots from this season. Um, it's a comparison of Aaron almost getting eaten by Galliard. And then they show a shot from season one where Aaron's pretty much in the same position as he's nearly getting eaten by, um, I think, that Titan that does consume him um, in that first season. Oh, I need to go look at that then. Yeah. I also saw something, and I actually haven't seen the manga comparison, but someone said that Galliard was drawn way more distinctly, or like his his position in the simp crowd was way more distinct than it was in the manga. Apparently like it was a lot, um, a lot more subtle in the manga. So a lot of people missed it. Um, but I don't know. I, I have mean, to look you that missed up. it. Okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Okay, guys, like it's hard to always keep an eye out for Marley invaders. I mean, it was, it's, it was still hard to pick him out, but the way that I knew that he was, um, a specific character that we needed to look at is because his back was, positioned against the camera and he had turned his head whereas everyone else in that shot um was facing front and looking up at peak yeah that's true yeah but like you said it's a it's a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing but there is that small level of detail where you you see that something's something's not right on the rooftop when um peak was about to you know do her big reveal and finger Aaron, <laughs> i'm gonna use that from now on um when she squeezes gabby's hand i was like oh shit this is it she's gonna transform and sacrifice gabby like i thought she was squeezing her hand and smiling at her like it's all gonna be okay now and then <laughs> look she was, at the flowers gabby <laughs> she's just gonna transform and annihilate this dumb bitch um obviously didn't pan out that way but for a moment i had a glimmer of hope that we wouldn't have to see gabby anymore and it probably sounds really morbid as i'm talking through this to say like i i want this little girl to die or whatever but she's a fictional character and she's really annoying and i'm not rooting for her death per se but i wouldn't necessarily be sad if she did die at some point in the show and i would say the same thing for peak <laughs> especially like i like how they included one shot of her smiling at Gabby right before she betrays Aaron. I I feel like that was just maybe it's in the manga, but it's just more fan service. But man, I just really hated Peak after this point. I, I know there's a lot of simps for her out there, but really I don't know why you're simping for this bitch. Especially <laughs> well, since she just betrayed Aaron, even though it was probably meant to be like she meant to betray him anyways. I'm not a Peak simp. Like I'm, I'm neutral on Peak. Like I could take her or leave her. But when you compare Peak to Gabby, I mean, it's night and day the mm. value that Peak brings to, to Marley, to the story, to just everything versus Gabby. Mm -hmm. Like Gab, like where Peak provides, Gabby takes away. That's how I feel about it, and that's why like I could not care less if Gabby died. Um, and again, while I'm neutral on peak, like I probably would be bummed if I didn't get to see a little more of her character just because she's been so interesting every time she's on screen. But with that said, like, I'm not crazy about her either. <laughs> yeah. And this sounds, this could be very offensive, but I don't care about her sob story with her father. either. <laughs> he can go to hell too, for all I care for birthing such a monstrosity. And it, did, <laughs> it did kind of feel like they just dropped that in. And also, is that true? Like, mm -hmm. that's why I'm wondering, like how much of what Peak said to Aaron in that room 
was true. Like, there's got to be some truth behind it because she is an Eldian who's in this shitty situation. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Maybe she made the whole thing up. Maybe her father is totally fine or whatever, and she doesn't really care, and she's a, she's siding with Marley. We won't know till we probably get more episodes with part two, but... Yeah, we've got a lot of burning questions that we uh, we need to get answered. But the answer to that particular question is something that I will not fucking care about. <laughs> so anyway, on to <laughs> the final part of this episode, that cliffhanger, the final showdown between Aaron and Reiner. I think this could potentially be the most brutal and long cliffhanger Attack on Titan has ever given us. Like it is a show where literally every episode ends on a crazy cliffhanger but this is gonna be the worst just because of the the time that we have to wait and the moment that they left us with like bring it on right <laughs> which why i thought he wanted to die this whole time he does like, <laughs> honestly this is probably his secret suicide mission like uh, yeah. like we said um Aaron, please take my life like like we said i don't remember what episode it was where reiner said we have to do a surprise attack in my head i'm like he's probably saying let's do a surprise attack because that's the fastest way for him to die he's like guys let's just go there right now i don't want to wait any longer i want to die already so if we just attack uh parodies now then i can die sooner <laughs> yeah i can see that too um Maybe it's his way to like atone for all of his previous sins. I, I could easily see Reiner having um, redemption by death, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I could I could see that. Like whether it's um, trying to do right by Marley and then dying in his final moments in order to, to make that succeed or on the flip side, doing right by the scouts and dying in his final moments to um, to help them succeed. I could see him having redemption by death. For sure. I don't hope that happens because, like I've said before, even though I was hurt by Reiner's betrayal, I still kind of root for the guy because he's in such a weird position and has such a parallel story to Aaron. Um, I, I kind of do want him to have a happy ending. Like, I still I still care about Reiner for sure. But uh, I don't know. I, I do see him dying and having his death having some kind of like important meaning. Yeah, although in the... If anyone's watched the official trailer, there are shots of him and Aaron going at it in their Titan form. So even if he is secretly on their side, I'm sure he's still going to put on a show for everybody. And Reiner and this season have come full circle. You, you alluded to this at the beginning of this podcast episode. It started off, the season started off with Reiner on an airship and has ended with Reiner on an airship. And on top of that, it started with the scouts infiltrating Marley and launching a surprise attack and has ended with Marley infiltrating Paradise and launching a surprise attack. So it's a cycle. This goes back to what I brought up earlier about Yelena's quote to Pixis that you can learn a lot from your enemies. I mean, this is this is it. Like mm-hmm. they learn from each other and the cycle, like you said, continue. <laughs> Although I guess Marley was technically first, right? When because they were the first ones to infiltrate, and then Paradis learned from them, and now Par- uh, Marley's learned again from Paradis. Yeah. So Marley, if they had just left them the fuck alone, literally none of this would be happening yeah. right now. Which is why when people say or people debate whether Paradis is in the wrong or Marley's in the wrong, I firmly believe that Marley is in the wrong. Yes, the Titans committed terrible atrocities hundreds of thousands of years ago but the eldians of today did not do anything to to prompt marley 
to behave in this way. And mm-hmm. Marley is being selfish because they are, they're doing this or they, they had the, the mission um, for Reiner, Bertolt, and Annie in the beginning of all of this because they wanted to take the founding titan. So if they had just left it alone and had not been greedy in that way, we wouldn't be where we are today. So I'm firmly in the camp that Paradise is, is right, Marley's wrong. Yeah, and on that point too, King Fritz, as Willie Tiber mentioned in his play, he was he created Paradise to protect the Eldians and keep them from ever engaging in war. Um, so he was very noble in his cause and yeah, I think I mentioned this last time. It's a very twisted kind of sense of freedom. But yeah, these Eldians and Parodies were better off without having to engage in these conflicts with the Titans at first. And then now that the world has gotten bigger, now with Marley. It's like, you should have just left them the fuck alone. I mean, look at Aaron. He was such a happy-go-lucky kid. And then the second the walls were infiltrated, we, we've seen his like slow transition into this descent into madness. angry, emo-as-fuck teenager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking of Aaron, um, I said it in the beginning of the season, and I'll say it again. Aaron's character development has been insane this season. On the surface, his attitude and maturity is vastly different now from the screaming and crying Aaron that we knew for three whole seasons. Uh, But if you dive deeper than that, he's also become an incredibly skilled warrior, um, where in the past he, you know, kind of hated himself for not being nearly as skilled as as Mikasa and and Reiner and the other um, scouts and always kind of struggled to to get on their level. So now he can do multiple Titan transformations, is able to spark on command um, without actually transforming, which is more of just like a big flex on everybody, <laughs> but also shows him, you know, being able to be on the ready at all times. Um, having such certainty and being able to read people so well that he knows without a doubt when someone won't kill him. For example, this episode, he walks straight up to Peak's gun and presses it against his forehead like, you're not going to shoot me, I know. Um, and even being able to sustain injuries instead of regenerating right away. I don't think we've seen anybody else, any other Titan wielders, be able to sustain injuries um, instead of just immediately starting to steam and regenerate. So he he's he's grown so much just in one season. He used to be uncertain, lacked confidence, had this crazy temper that would make him act stupid. It's barely the same person at this point. And that's why I kind of hold out hope that, you know, Aaron, obviously he's been the protagonist of this whole series. And this could be the trope of, you know, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. But I fervently hope that it's not the latter because for Aaron to have grown this much um, over these however many years, like seven or eight years that we've seen him, for him to end up being, I guess, the actual antagonist of the show would just be so demoralizing, I guess. Yeah, it would be no fun to watch, I think, Um, because you still hold out hope. You still want to... I mean, if I can still root for Reiner at this point, hell yeah, I'm still going to root for Aaron at this point. And I really loved um, that the final moment of Aaron kind of instinctively jumping away from Galliard trying to eat him. 
and then also transforming without an ounce of fear in his face by the surprise attack like he his face was just pure pissed off that's all it was like he wasn't scared or anything he was just annoyed that this was happening right now Mm -hmm. when he's got a plan in action he's got a goal he's got to achieve um so he's not even concerned by this surprise attack and instead invites it by saying bring it on reiner like that is literally not how aaron would act any of the other seasons he would be freaking the fuck out i mean think about how he reacted when armin got cooked to a crisp and then he thought that um that levi was going to use the serum on erwin i mean my god i was like stop crying just trust levi <laughs> but here it's like it's nothing it's he's completely unfazed by the whole thing he's just annoyed yeah one last thing I want to mention with the final scene on the rooftop is that I love that the theme Ashes on the Fire by the composer of the series Kota Yamamoto kicks in right after Peak Fingers Aaron. Um, it's the same song that's used in the official trailer, and I believe it's first introduced in this season when Aaron reveals himself as the attack titan um, in Liberio on Marley. So it's kind of fitting to hear this for the final time um, in this first part uh, to symbolize that, you know, shit's about to hit the parodies fan much like it did back in Marley. So I was very happy to to hear that as a music soundtrack aficionado. And speaking of things that appear in trailers, we wanted to go ahead and discuss the teaser for uh, quote-unquote part two of final season of attack on titan that we mentioned earlier in this episode the teaser starts out um with i guess these words that kind of flash across the screen and i wrote the translation for these um the words say i was waiting all this time for two thousand years and someone and then it announces the the coming of episode 76 and throughout this whole thing you see flashes of not just different events that have occurred in the anime or different scenes that have occurred across all seasons of the anime. You also see flashes of who I believe is the girl that appeared in Zeke's hallucination. So I know that is something that we wanted to save for the very end to discuss. So I know in the episode itself, we see a very brief vision of the girl. And um, in the episode, it's her with a headband holding a bucket but in this teaser and i actually went back to look at the official trailer for season four um, she appears in both of these um in these trailers but she's wearing a different kind of clothing she still has the headband but it seems like she's wearing more tattered or ragged clothes and there's a shot i don't think it appears in the teaser but in the trailer there's a shot of a bunch of fingers pointing at her um so I don't know if, I mean, I had, my first theory was that this is possibly Zeke's daughter, which I don't even know if he would even have the opportunity to have a daughter. Maybe, that, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe but, he's uh, sleeping around. But I, that would kind of go against his whole thing about, you know, Eldians being sterilized so that they couldn't have any more children. Um, but the more I thought about it, and maybe that vision that he saw is kind of like what, LDNC, like once they reach the end of their lives, kind of like the the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it's kind of instead of like a vision of God, they see a vision of this girl, and that got me thinking and theorizing that this is actually a vision of Emir, 
not the Emir that we've seen that we saw in like season two, but Emir the the girl that started this whole thing of Eldians having this Titan power um, after she made a deal with the devil. Yeah, I agree. I think it's Emir. At first, I was like, "Is that Kaya?" <laughs> oh yeah, she does look like Kaya. Too. I was like, "Did Kaya put on a headband and then somehow meet Zeke at some point?" Or yeah, is, is Kaya Zeke's Zeke's daughter? <laughs> yeah, is Kaya but, Zeke's know. daughter? Um, but no, yeah. When when we looked at the the teaser for part two, I was like, "Yeah, it's Emir. Like it's it's got to be Emir." I I'm not a hundred percent certain, but that's kind of the only conclusion that we can come to, just based on the text again of it saying, "I've been waiting two thousand years." For someone, I'm like, who, who's been waiting 2,000 years other than Emir, right? <laughs> yeah. And if you recall, the very first episode of the series was titled To You in 2,000 Years. Was it? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And another shot in this teaser, which again, I think briefly shows up in the official trailer, it looks like Aaron with his long hair standing in front of a brightly lit tree. And... If I recall, one of the very first shots we see of Aaron in the series is him also lying under a tree in Shiganshina. So I am I don't know if there's a correlation there, but this tree also appears in the end credits for season or this final season as well. Um as you see like it it's a it's lit up and sprouts um I think at the very end of the credits. Man, I thought the tree from the end credits was when the um the, the Warhammer Titan. The Warhammer. I almost said the Warrior Titan again. <laughs> when the Warhammer Titan uses their power and like impales the attack titan with a tree. I thought that's what that was. But yeah, you're right. In the teaser we see that same tree, that like glowing tree um appear. So that's interesting. I would not be surprised if there is a direct correlation with the first episode of Attack on Titan. Because, again, that's how tightly written this show is, and nothing goes to waste. Yeah, I think this harkens back to one of the biggest questions we had leaving season three was when Aaron Kruger, the owl who gives the Attack Titan power to Grisha, mentions Mikasa and Armin by name, even though they hadn't even been born yet by that point. So... I don't know if this this tree image is supposed to represent like time travel or this like transcendence of time in the show, or if Aaron has this uh, has this ability to transcend time or go across different eras. But it'll be interesting to see how this girl and this tree play into the final final part of season four well someone noticed on i think it was tiktok i think one of our friends of all places yeah i think one of our friends sent us this tiktok maybe i can't remember where we saw it um but it's it's a scene from what season two season one season two maybe and um i think it's aaron and armin are arguing about something outside in like this kind of shaded area and Mikasa approaches or whatever. And, and while that's all happening in the background, you see a guy standing there and it looks like Aaron from season four. Mm. Hair in a bun, same clothing and everything. He's not super easy to make out, but it looks like Aaron from season four. So if you haven't seen that, you can probably Google it um, and take a look at it. But I, again, I, I'm not sure which which season this scene was from. It's most likely season one because they were pretty young in this, yeah. um, in this scene. But yeah, you just see him in the background. And if, if all of that is, is accurate, if those are all breadcrumbs, it's all kind of alluding to the possibility of, of time travel. Yeah, Aaron has to collect all the infinity stones <laughs> to, to 
put together the Titan gauntlet. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, titles, it's funny that you mentioned the first title of the, the first, first episode. episode of the show. I did make a note here that I love how literal but non-spoilery all the episode titles have been this season. I mean, if you think about Above and Below for this episode 75, I mean, how literal <laughs> were they with Above and oh, Below? Yeah. Like Galliard coming from from below Aaron and then from above was like the uh, the rest of the surprise attack. And then um, there's the prison cells and then... That's below the, that. Yeah, the main floor of the, the Citadel, if you want to call it that, where <laughs> all the action was happening. And then, of course, you had, I think, what was, what was the one title? It was like Assassination or something? Assassins. Assassins. That was the only one to me that felt spoilery because, like, I kind of anticipated Sasha or someone was going to die just based off of that title. Um, so I would say besides that one, the rest of them have been literal in a non-spoiler way. And I, I don't know, something about that I kind of appreciate. I don't know what it is. It just feels nice because you always get these very artistic um titles in shows nowadays and here they're just like no we're just gonna give it to you straight <laughs> and my last takeaway for this part one of the final season is that the only main trio Aaron, mikasa and armin moment that we got was super depressing like again that was one of the things that i was looking forward to i brought it up in multiple podcast episodes like i can't wait for the three of them to reunite and then it happened once, and it was very, very sad. <laughs> so it kind of reminded me of what I think is season three, part one, where you barely see them together. The, the feelings I got there, like I just really wanted to see the main trio in action. I'm getting those same vibes from this part of the season. Now, this time around, though, it makes more sense as to why there's distance, just given Aaron's behavior and what could be his hidden motives. But I hope... I very much hope in part two of the season we'll get more main trio moments because that's one of my favorite things about the show is their friendship. Man, I just had a vision that it's going to be a reunion, but like one of them is going to be dying and I feel like it's going to be Aaron <laughs> and it's just them all saying goodbye to each other. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought of that. Well, I hope we get something else before that or whatever the end moment is for them. I hope we get other moments of them kind of coming back together because they, they had talked about it for like multiple episodes in this part of the season. Like, you know, we want, let's go talk to Aaron. We, we need to be the ones to talk to Aaron. You know, where's Aaron? And then they got together for like five minutes, beat the shit out of each other emotionally and physically, and then that was it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's my only ask. That's the only thing I wanted to mention about the next half of the season. Yeah, hopefully we don't have to wait too long. And that brings us to our final thoughts for the quote-unquote final episode 75 above and below. How many picky fingers out of 10 would you give this episode? I like that JoJo reference. <laughs> <laughs> um... Ooh, I would give this one an eight and a half, an eight and a half out of 10. Um, at first I was thinking eight, but then I gave it half a point extra just because of the, the intense way the episode ended. And I, if you've been listening to the podcast long enough, you know how much I fucking hate cliffhangers just because I'm a very impatient person. But there's something about this cliffhanger that like, I'm okay with and I think it's purely the fact that the season has been phenomenal and I just so desperately want them them being Mappa to end this well that I'm okay waiting and what they gave us is enticing enough to definitely keep me interested for part two um, but 
isn't enough information for me to like be racking my brain over what could be happening. Cause it's one thing to give a cliffhanger that's like a knowledge drop. And then another thing to give us a, a cliffhanger that's more of like an action-based drop. And this is a, this is an action-based drop. Like we know they're going to fight, right? Like we can, we can predict what's going to happen. But if it was a, a cliffhanger, like, oh, by the way, Aaron, I'm the armored Titan. And then they cut to black. Like that would be infuriating mm-hmm. for me so I, I can muster through it so anyway 8.5 because the episode was um a lot of talking as many of them have been but progressed the plot tremendously and left us with a very intense but good note to end on until we get to winter 2022 what about you yeah same i would actually give this eight and a half picky fingers out of 10 as well um it was a bit of a subdued end to I'm going to call this the first part of the season, but it does leave these pretty massive cliffhangers. But I guess not, again, to your point, not to the extent where I'm like, I need to know what happens next. The way I would kind of see it is like this is kind of like comparable to the end of Infinity War and us going into Avengers Endgame. We kind of know we have a feeling of what we're going to see next, right? Yeah, no, I, that's a good point. So the way Infinity War ended, it's like this first part came full circle and you got that somewhat sense of closure. Like here, mm-hmm. I mean, it literally came full full circle for the reasons we said earlier about like Reiner and the airship and the surprise attack and all this stuff. So I think it's a little more tolerable. But then you've got other cliffhanger type endings where it's like, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> you like left us with nothing that, that felt even remotely like closure and... I'm just going to say code yes. That's all I'm going to say. Code yes. Um, <laughs> if you know, you know. And I, I think that's why it's it's more bearable this time around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're cliffhangers through and through. The three ones that come to mind are, again, the rematch between Aaron and Reiner, the whereabouts of Zeke, and the fate of my boy Levi that was never addressed in this episode. Yeah, he wasn't even in the episode at all. Yeah, so that's still hanging over my head. Um, I would say that's what's nipping at me right now the most. But still overall a very good part one season finale. And as I mentioned before, I hope that Aaron is still still not the ultimate antagonist of the series and does indeed save the Eldian race in the proper way. But we'll see how the events of this Marley raid, the second Marley raid on parodies is going to affect that in any way. And hopefully we don't come across any manga spoilers. If that does happen, I'm going to do my best to just pretend that I never saw it, write it out of my brain, especially for these podcast episodes. I, I want to go into it with fresh eyes um, and with with that bewilderment that you have as Mm -hmm. an anime-only person, um, or really that manga readers experience too when these new chapters come out. I'm just wondering, like, what's what's going to happen next? How is it all going to end? So we'll see. We'll do our, our damnedest to not get spoiled between now and winter 2022. Yeah, I was actually tempted to read the manga uh, from this point onward. But, you know, I've I've enjoyed this series through and through as an anime. So I feel like I should just stick to those guns and see this in its anime form to the very end. Same. Absolutely the same on my end. Last thing I want to say, and I've said this a hundred times before, and I'll say it a hundred times again, Linked Horizon, 
don't fail me now. Please close <laughs> us out. We need the last national anthem of an OP <laughs> for Attack on Titan to end this epic show. That is kind of the only crime I feel like of this season is that Linked Horizon was not seemingly not involved at all when they've been such an important part of making Attack on Titan come to life for the past three seasons. Yeah, and I've scoured the web for like any hint of news about their involvement with part two. There's nothing. Like I don't even know if they're releasing any new material outside of Attack on Titan, like music-wise. So maybe they're just trying to keep it hush-hush and under wraps and then just surprise us with an OP the day that episode 76 comes out. But I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem right having Attack on Titan and without one more Linked Horizon camp musical cameo. Well, here's what we'll do. If for some reason they don't end up doing the OP or the EV for part two, we'll just take Shinzo Wosasagio and play it over whatever the yeah. opening is. Because again, <laughs> like that, that is the most epic opening. That's basically like the national anthem of anime. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Or I guess we'll, we'll hear. <laughs> <laughs> And that wraps up this special episode of Strictly Anime and the first half of the final season of Attack on Titan. We'll be back with special weekly episodes of Attack on Titan when part two premieres winter 2022. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every other Monday. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on the anime that we review. You'll also find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank you so much for listening and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageyo. Shinzo wo sasageyo.